Well, hey, good morning, everybody. It is, what is that, Saturday, I think, something like that. It's it's a day. I don't know. It's a day. <laughs> All right, so, well, good morning. Uh, we're going to continue on today in First Peter. So First Peter, we're going to be doing chapter 1, verses 13, all the way through the end of chapter 1, and into the first three uh, first three verses of chapter two. So hopefully you got your copies ready. I'm all about that. We're good. Mm. Good stuff. All right. Let's dig into this. All right. First Peter chapter one, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded Set your hope fully on the grace that will be through <laughs> that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from the first excuse me from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things such as silver or gold but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, ooh, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. All right, wow, amen. That's a big section, right? All right, let's break this down into more manageable chunks. Okay, so we're going to do verses 13 to 16. Uh, the inheritance should put your hope in the future, okay? Not... Not solely in the future, as we'll we'll look at and see, but your hope should be in the future, and we also have work to do today, right? 17 to 21, fear God who sacrificed his own son to save you. Fear being more of reverence, but, you know, you get the idea. 22 to 25, given a new life, we are to love one another. And wrap this up, just the very, very beginning of chapter 2, Long for God's word, so you will grow in faith. All right, let's let's dig into this, okay? Uh, Thirteen to sixteen. The inheritance should put your hope in the future. Okay. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Now, some translations, like the NKJV, has prepare as to gird up your loins. 
Okay, gird up your loins. So uh, they had a robe that they would wear, and it would go down usually to about the ground. And girding up the loins is they would actually wrap it around and and wrap it around their loin region and tie it around their waist so that they could run and they could do things. Um, point two, let's say uh, Hebrews chapter eight talks about uh, not necessarily girding up the loins, but the same concept here is therefore. Uh, this is Hebrews 8, 24 and 25. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And that's why they would gird that up. They would wrap that up so they could run with endurance in this in this sense, right? They're running the race. This is just bringing that same concept to mind. Okay, and then we have sober-minded also in verse 13. Uh, this is not talking about alcohol. It's really easy to want to take stuff like this pretty literally and say, oh, all right, so we're not doing, uh, don't be drinking. See, Bible says don't drink. No, Bible says don't be like a drunkard. Uh, Jesus made wine. He made the best wine, and it was at a party, so it's fine. Uh, anyway, I don't know about it. So it's fine. Know, your, know yourself and uh, weigh that out between you and God. We'll just, we'll leave it there. Uh, but it's not about drinking so much as it is about your mind, to, to be sober in your mind, to, to actually be in your right mind. Don't be lollygagging in thought. Don't be letting your mind wander all over the place. This is something you really need to be um, set in your mind and set in your ways with that. So, so being sober-minded and set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 24 to 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Okay, and again, with sober mind, we need to have clarity and actually be thinking about this properly, right? Uh Verse 14, we're going to go into Romans again. Lots of dipping into Romans this morning here on the early sections of this, but not conforming. So as obedient children, oof, being stuck in the house with two children, nine and and I wanted to say 14, only because she acts that way, but 12. <laughs> uh, they make obedient children still? I don't know. Anyway, so as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Peter points to this um, a couple times, even in this section. Okay, these quick reminder again on the history. So this is going out to uh, believers throughout what's now modern day Turkey, which would be Asian Minor. Primarily, these were Gentiles, right? So they didn't have a lot of... uh, Jewish understanding that was kind of odd to them. However, between both Jewish and Gentile, most of them, even, you know, Gentile being more pagan religions, they had some kind of a sacrifice system to um, appease their deities, right? To appease their gods, they would sacrifice something. It was a common concept to them. So we'll see some of that coming in future uh, in inside of this section here. But um, they had a lot of oddness compared to what what Christ brings and what Christ teaches, which really, if we think about it, Christianity is the oddness. It goes against that cultural norm. But um, 
they would do things in ways that would produce either like a generational sin or could potentially just be awkward living. And this is one of the the crazy things about Christianity. If you look at church history throughout, um, Christianity is one of the only religions, if not the only religion, that is not culture-bound. It's not tied to a single language. I mean, even in throughout our scriptures, we have at least three languages. We have Aramaic, we have Hebrew, uh, and we have Greek all throughout this. So we already know that Christianity is not tied to, single, to a single language. That's why we can get Bibles and we have different translations of Bibles and Jesus is still Jesus in all of them. He's still Lord in all of them and that's good and that's fine. And and actually that's why today we're, we're going through English Standard Version, whereas last time we went through New King James Version and I think we'll probably do NIV next time, um, is to kind of show some of that, that Jesus is still Lord in all of these translations and that it's still good. And it's still there right for us. But Christianity isn't tied to culture. And so the question is, how much culture can we infuse into our Christianity and still maintain pure Christianity? And this is um, Peter's trying to let them know, hey, don't don't take this a little too far. You need to uh, accept Christ a little bit more. And, you know, die to your old self. Get rid of some of these old tendencies that were brought on. Uh, in the past. Okay. So let's look here at Romans 12, uh, 12, two. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right. And that was, uh, actually Paul talking very much about the same thing. Okay. And then 15 to 16, we see the, the holy to holy statement here. Uh, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy, which comes from, as you see on your screen here, Leviticus chapter 1145, for I am the Lord, your God, consecrate yourself therefore, and be holy for I am holy. You shall not defile yourself with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. Basically don't eat bugs. Uh, Hey, yay, Jesus came. We can eat bugs, right? All right. Hey, weird. All right. So, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. holy. So, you will be set apart. You will be different because I am different. You're not going to be like the world and like everyone else you see because I am not like the world and everything else you see. Right? That's what we're talking about, and that's what God's talking about here. All right, moving on here. Fear God who sacrificed his own son to save you, 17 to 21. So a father who judges impartially. So, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Okay, so father who judges impartially. This is not talking about a salvation judgment, but more of like an end times judgment where you're, you're going to be called and seated in front of God or standing in front of God and giving account for your life and how you used your time and what you did. Um, and know that he judges impartially, judges a, a, you according to you on how he called you, right? And to conduct yourselves with fear, meaning like uh, reverence, you know, also fear in that, yeah, it's kind of scary. God uh, created everything. He's God over all. And yet he still loves us enough that he sent his own son to die for us. Like that's, 
it's some pretty heavy stuff. It takes things to really meditate and and really take some time and ponder about. Now, time of your exile, wrapping up here, uh, verse 17, uh, is just pointing back to chapter 1, verse 1. It's not necessarily talking about these people being exiled from their homelands, but being exiles because we're part of the kingdom of God. And being part of that kingdom, we're not really part of this earth anymore. We're not part of any real kingdom here. I mean, we are. If you're living in America, we're still American citizens, but we're kingdom citizens before we're American citizens. And so we are dispersed and we are exiled currently because we're here on earth from heaven. And so we are exiles here where we don't necessarily belong forever, right? So verse 18, redeemed. So I I wrote redeemed here in the notes. In ESV, it says ransomed. In some of the other translations, it says redeemed. Uh, but knowing that you were ransomed or redeemed uh, from the feudal ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, uh, but with the precious blood of Christ, right? Okay, so skimming over that a little fast, but your redeem, that is your, your ransom paid, right? And that is what redeemed means is that you were ransomed. God paid for our sins, our inadequacies, paid for all of the things that we, uh, uh, quite honestly, just fail at. We don't meet up to the standards. We're not there. He paid for that and he ransomed us by giving his son for us for that. Now, this is where I was talking about that that Peter hits this again. Um, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Now, this would probably be pointing to some sort of a generational sin or a lifestyle, um, which would include, as we're going to see here just in another verse, um, improper atonement. So if they came from a, pa a pagan background, this would be um, sacrificing, doing sacrifices that uh, were to a different deity and um, things to that nature. Because a lot of times when uh, cultures and groups inside different cultures become Christians, they want to take some commonalities from that and move it forward. In fact, it's not uncommon. If you look back in um, Eastern history, uh, mosques, you know, when, when there was Muslim and Christian battles, they tended to not destroy the churches and the Muslims would convert the churches into mosques. Um, and then vice versa as well. Christians would conquer an area and they would take over the mosque or even uh, pagan shrines and they would turn those into uh, church areas and they would build up around that and they would create churches there. So that was kind of a normal thing to um, produce around what people were used to worship. So it was maintain that, st that same lifestyle uh, as in this is where you would go to worship but you're no longer worshiping a rock. You're no longer worshiping whatever the case was. You're, you're worshiping Jesus and God the Father. And so this is probably talking about things of that, saying, hey, you're still trying to worship this rock. You're still trying to uh, incorporate a little bit more of that. No, that that is not a God. The only God is the God who created all, the God, the great I am. And so I think this is what he's referring to here a little bit more than, than anything else is get rid of these past tendencies and move forward onto and into your life with this. God paid that ransom for you 
already. So don't continue to live in that lifestyle that requires that ransom, right? Now, 19 um, talks about the precious blood and the spotless lamb, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Okay, that comes from Leviticus, Numbers, uh, Exodus with the Passover lamb. Let's just go through a couple of these really fast. Leviticus 23, 12. And on that day or on the day when you wave the sheaf, now sheaf would be like a bundle of grain, right? That's tied together. You've all seen those images. Uh, you shall offer a male lamb a year old without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Numbers does a great job here too. Number six. And he shall bring his gift to the Lord, one male lamb, a year old, excuse me, without blemish for a burnt offering, one ewe lamb, a year old, without blemish as a sin offering, and one ram without blemish as a peace offering. Exodus then also talks about, um, goes into that for, for Passover as being like the, the perfect sacrifice, right? So Christ his blood was the perfect atoning sacrifice, right? It is, it is finished with Christ dying and then resurrecting. It is finished. We don't have to worry about atoning for sin in another way. We don't have to do other sacrifices. All of that is done. And that's what he's saying is this is, this is done. He was like the perfect non-blemished lamb and it is finished. And so another note of stop doing this. You don't need it anymore. Okay. Uh, given a new life, we are to love one another. This is 22 to 25. Okay, this 22, um, there's different translations have this a little bit differently, and I like to try to blend them together because they all hit very similarly and yet emphasize things just a little different. And to me, this just kind of shows uh, the struggle that we have in the English language because we have such few words. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a large, large language, but we tend to just want to put one word into a category and this word means this and then go on with it, but it doesn't quite fill the void, right? There's words from other languages that we translate into English that it just doesn't come across right because the word that we use isn't emphatic enough, right? So having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, earnestly, as you can see here, is translated differently into fervently or deeply from a pure heart. So Merriam-Webster's definitions of these earnestly um, is a serious manner, not lightly, not casually or flippantly, uh, fervently, exhibiting or marked by great intensity of feeling. It's zealous, it's zeal, right? Deeply characterized by profundity of feeling or quality, okay? So love one another profoundly deeply, right? Profoundly zealous with a lot of zeal and not being flippant about it. Not this one arm hand pat, you know, hey, good morning, and then you're off. No, actually show them true brotherly love to actually be there for one another when you need one another. More than just the, hi, how are you on a Sunday morning? It's more of, in reality, right now, it's more of, hey, I'm down to two rolls of toilet paper and you have one. You know, or you're, you're out. Have one of mine, right? I know that seems really 
weird and almost feels like I'm mocking the situation, but I'm, I'm really trying to not mock the situation. I'm trying to be sincere with that. You know, if we're running out and yet we have a brother or sister in Christ who is out of something and you can't find it anywhere, that's part of it is to give, is to give what we have and to help one another and to lift each other up. That's brotherly love. You know, like my brother and I, oh man, we fought all the time as kids. In fact, even today, we don't necessarily have the greatest relationship. It's not a bad relationship. It could be better, but it could definitely be a lot worse. In fact, it was a lot worse. But even though we're so far apart, if they needed something, I'd drop everything I had and do anything I could for them. And I know it's likewise. So that's brotherly love. It doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter how bad it hurts. You're there for them no matter what, right? Now, born again in verse 23, that's your spiritual birth, right? We don't belong here on earth. We belong in heaven. Our father's in heaven. We are part of the, uh, we are part of God's kingdom and the kingdom of heaven. And so this is again, uh, re re-emphasizing that point. And 24 to 25, um, he's comparing the perishable with the imperishable work of God that she talked about there. Um, since you were born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And he brings us out of Isaiah chapter 40 as all flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And he wraps that up with, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. Okay. The word of our God will stand forever. Okay. And then wrapping this up, chapter two, verses one to three. One, I love this. It just starts this, this section. Now, mind you, um, the verses and chapters came much later. This was... Um, after the canonization process, we started adding chapters and verses uh, to make it easier to reference. And so this was just kind of a, a breaking point. Um, some commentators believe that this section rolls all the way through one to three. Uh, some believe there was a break earlier in it, but I, I actually like how this rolls in and, and wraps up right here at the beginning of this, this chapter. So we're just going to continue to go into this. But I love how he starts this this spot right here or ends this little subsection with this one line of stop doing this. Put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Man, he is so much nicer and beating around the bush than I would be. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop talking badly about one another behind each other's back. Stop being envious of your friend's house or their donkey or a car or whatever. It doesn't matter, right? Stop the hypocrisy. It really is not okay to uh, tell someone, do what I say, not what I do. That's not really okay. It's a bad thing. Okay, stop lying. Stop doing deceit. Stop having malice, right? It's just stop it. That's what he's saying. Stop it. There's. It really matters how you act. Might not matter in your salvation because if you accept Christ, but... It really does matter because you are representing our father. You are representing Jesus who died for you. You are representing the whole body of Christ. And again, putting this back into the historical context, this is inside Roman Empire in modern day Turkey. 
Um, this is right around the time of the massive fire in Rome in 64 AD when Emperor Nero used that to fully persecute and push a massive wide-range persecution on all Christians because Nero hated Christians because, again, they were weird. They didn't – nobody understood them. They were a massive minority group, and yet they were uh, seeming to be dangerous to the Roman lifestyle – because they presented a totally different lifestyle that was against what Rome was doing. And so he wanted to persecute them. And so here you have Peter coming in and saying, stop it, stop it. Pay attention to what you're doing. It actually matters how you show the world what living for Christ is like. It matters. God changes you from the inside. So you need to show the change from the inside on the outside. You have to give them that. You need to show that. And that's still true today. All of this is still true today. It matters how we live our lives because God is changing us from the inside. But if we still fake how we were on the outside today, we're, we're failing. It's not doing anybody any good. You're not doing God any good. You're not doing Jesus any favors by doing that. And you're not doing your neighbors any favors by doing that. So stop it. Off my soapbox. That's how I would have said that. Good thing I didn't write this letter. Uh, verse two here, desire, right? So desire God, it says, like a newborn infant, long for the pure spiritual milk that you may grow up into salvation. Now, this isn't talking like maturity wise to be a baby. No, no. In fact, it's it's kind of annoying to see uh, Christians who have been, I mean, I'm just not going to lie. I'll be very blunt. I'm on a blunt standpoint here on the end of this. This is a fun ending point. Yay. Um, it is kind of annoying to see Christians who have been Christians for some time be really, really immature. Granted, if you're in a little tiny group setting and, you know, you're just joking around, that's one thing. I get that. We all have that, right? But for someone who just always acts really immature, that's not what we're called to be. We're called to grow up. We're called to be mature in the faith and to show the world how people should act, right? We're called to be the shining light in this world. We're called to be the body of Christ currently in the world, be the hands and feet and go out and do this. What this is saying is like a newborn infant, anybody who's had a baby or has been around a baby or seen a show that's had a baby in it knows when a baby is hungry, that is all they care about. There is nothing else that they care about. They cry, they scream, they wail because they need that nourishment. And that's what this is saying. Like a newborn baby needing the bottle, because I don't know, streaming that other word might be interesting. I don't know. But needing that milk, that's how we are to desire God's word. That's how we are to desire and long for God. And it's so that we will not only learn but that we will also grow, that we will be transformed and grow in our faith so that we're not just stagnant in one spot, but we learn and we grow and we move on and we continue the race. It's not a treadmill race, people. We do not stand in place moving our legs. You're not stuck in the mud. You're supposed to be moving forward in this and to grow in this. And to do that, we have to have faith. We need to learn and we need to move forward and we need to allow God to let us move forward in this. Okay. And then three, uh, he's pulling this from Psalms 34. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, Psalms 34 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Pretty, 
pretty direct. I like it. So what can we take away from this? Well, we can take away a few different things from this. First of all, we have a hope for now. God is here with us. Jesus came and he died for us and he resurrected. We have a hope now. God is fully in control. He's taking care of everything. He is our hope. And we are, he is giving us as someone else's hope. Whereas he's given us hope in other people, he's also giving us to other people as their hope. So we have a hope for now, both in the Lord and with our brothers and sisters around us. And we have a hope for the future in that inheritance, right? We're saved. We get to go home. When the time comes, we get to go home and we we have a heavenly place with a heavenly inheritance for us. Uh, respect and fear or have reverence for God, for he is good and he is just. Remember, we're not to take action in retaliation against, like we talked about last time. Uh, we return good for evil, right? We get evil back. We get evil to us. We return that with good, knowing that God's going to take care of that in his time because he is a just God. Amen. I can't hear you, but I'm just imagining I'm hearing people say amen back. It's good. And You've been given new life. Use it to love God and love each other, but not just love each other, but to love them earnestly, to love them fervently, to love them deeply, right? Have an intention for it and have it be real. And finally, long for God and grow in faith. Embrace being stretched and grow with the Lord. That's the season that we're in right now. And it's not just, this isn't just a, USA season. This isn't just an Idaho season. This isn't just a Drew season. This is a world season. We are all stretching. We're all talking about the COVID-19 right now, but what people aren't also talking about are the massive locust swarms demolishing the Middle East, Asia, and Africa, parts of Africa right now, destroying crops where we literally are fighting over rolls of toilet paper. They're all hoping and praying they can feed their families this next year because there's no crops because the locust swarms are of biblical proportion, destroying entire crops in 30-second time spans, is crazy. We are all of us around the globe in a season of stretching right now. We need to trust God. We need to lean into God. We need to lean into God and his word, right? Study be with one another, be there for one another, not just learn, not just grow, but also go out and do that. Obviously right now we can't exactly go out, but you can phone call, you can Zoom call, you can FaceTime, check up on people, do little studies with people, encourage people, find out if people who are high risk, whether they're pregnant, whether they have small children, whether there's medical issues, whether they're elderly, check in on people, make sure one, they're not going stir crazy because that's happening. Uh, trust me, if you have children right now, you know that's happening. Uh, make sure that they have everything they need. Find out if they just need to talk. Sometimes we just need that companionship and we need to be there for one another. And that is loving each other earnestly, right? So be stretched in this. Know that God is going to grow you through this. And outside of this, on the other side of this, when we come out, we're going to be bigger, better people. We're going to be closer to Christ and we're going to be more of who God has us to be, right? Let's pray real fast. Father, I want to thank you so much for today. I want to thank you for the technology that you've given us uh, through 
incredibly wise people and intelligent people who've created some of this stuff, God, that we have the ability to come together and that we can learn and we can study together and that we continue to grow together with you and in you, Father, and grow our faith, continue to push us through this, show us how to live the life that you have for us, to reach the people that you have for us to reach, God. I just ask that you can continue to be with us. Uh, thank you for your word. Uh, give us the uh, encouragement that we need to continue to open that up and to be in it and to study it and to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, it was good. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I enjoyed this. Peter, uh, First Peter is a, a great book to be studying. I think it's a great thing for us for right now. Uh, go have a great Saturday. Be blessed with this. And go bless other people from your own house. Like a good neighbor, stay over there.